hey, uh, hey, Anthony, do you like do you like my new shirt? Sure, man. It's cool. It could have been better. What was that? I said it could have been better. You want to fight about it? Yeah, I do. Let's go, chump. <laughs> Hold on a second. We don't need to fight. We don't? All you need to do is go to 86.com and choose from one of their many designs. Franchises range from Skullgirls to Street Fighter and even Blaze Blue. And if you check out 86 through this Twitch channel, use 86.com slash question mark AFF equals four to let them know that Mission Star Podcast sent you. There we go. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome. I am your host, Anthony, to be honest, and I look kind of slow on my webcam. I forgot to adjust it. Anyways, um, so I am here to deliver the news, uh, as always, but with me, uh, as always, the Tetris Master himself, Mr. Greg Dietz. I'm not a Tetris Master. I only got second place. You came close. Yeah, I almost won on stream, so. I would have been, I'd have been. So hyped for that dude. I was... <laughs> we popped off and like, yeah, motherfucker, I'm yeah. the best. Yeah, eat shit. Right. <laughs> it's like, it's not a Royale. Getting a win is, is a is a big feat. So I think with Tetris 99 or any other battle royale game, you're like, you're gonna hear me go when we win. Like <laughs> I play Overwatch and I'm just like, yes. Like that's about as far as that goes. Right, right. But when, right. I, when, you, when I play Apex Legends or <laughs> other things like that, I'm like. Nicely done. Nicely done. Okay, so um, actually, I don't. I just realized this article I brought up for the first one is not the one I'm looking for. Actually, Um, give me one second. I will bring it up as we start the news, and I kind of burped into the mic as always. Naturally. Yep, as one does. As one does. All right, here we go. Oops. There we go, game spot. All right, here we go. So, with that being said, let's begin the news. And let's begin with our good friend, Reggie. Um, okay, so, uh, this was announced last week, or this past week. No, last week, I should say. Uh, but this article was posted uh, on GameSpot. Nintendo of America President Reggie Fessy Me. President Fessy Me. Is retiring, uh, and Doug Bowser to take over. Uh, this is written by uh, get the Chris Perra uh, on GameSpot.com. Reggie Pizzimay, the longtime president and COO of Nintendo of America, will retire this spring. He and the company announced in a joint statement on Thursday. Take uh, taking over his role will be the company's current senior uh, vice president of sales and marketing, Doug Bowser, the man who names acquire a yes, really. After every mention, Fiza has uh, uh, anime. Oh, you're you're gone. Oh, I'll fix you here in a second. <laughs> you're not on stream. I, uh, I was gonna mention it after you read the article. So, <laughs> uh, Reggie has been in the in this role for more than a decade, uh, having gotten the job in May 2006. 
following a three-year stint as the executive VP of sales and marketing. He has effectively served as the company's face in North American territories for much of his tenure as president. He is often seen in Nintendo Direct streams and was often the primary presenter back when the company did live E3 media briefings. Uh, Reggie stood out both due to his Terminator-like stature and meme-friendly antics, like when he decided to attempt to convince a Western audience to take notice of Yokai Watch. Nintendo owns a part of my heart forever, Reggie said uh, in a press release revealing his departure. It's part that is filled with gratitude for the incredible talented people I've worked with, for the opportunity to represent each wonderful brand, and most of all, I feel uh, to feel like a member of the world's most positive and enduring game gamer community. As I look forward to to departing in both good health and good humor, this is not game over for me, but instead leveling up, leveling up to more time with my wife, friends, and family. This is how you do it, ladies and gentlemen. This is how you retire walking away. This is essentially the ending of Street Fighter, where Ryu is is going out into the sunset. Essentially what what that is. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, uh, essentially going out on top. I mean, he's he's responsible for getting a lot of games here to America. Um, Not solely responsible, but responsible nonetheless. He's, again, been the face of Nintendo of America for such a long time that I don't think I know of a time where he wasn't. Like, I'm trying to think back to, to E3s that I watched where, where maybe he wasn't. I'm thinking maybe, like, when they introduced the Wii? Yeah. Um, it's, maybe? It's He's been around for quite some time. Like, he's been in it for about, I want to say, as far as, as, as I know, like, 13 years as far as we known him in the in the life, uh, or as far as like when he debuted, because like, when he initially debuted, I'll do it for now. Uh, when he initially debuted, like he literally came out and said, "Like my name is Reggie, please me. I'm here to take names, kick ass, and uh, uh, something, something, something into transition into the next Nintendo game they're gonna announce." Um, and, and at first, people were re- actually pretty afraid of him just because of how big he is. Um, but like after a while, like. Space. Yeah, he's large. <laughs> he is a big man. He is a he's very tall. Absolutely. Um, well, it, it doesn't. It. I mean, and not. I'm not in no way shape or form of trying to sound. When you compare his size to the rate to the average stature of a Japanese man. I mean, yes. One. One would. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I would argue that also Doug Bowser's pretty short too, but. Yeah. Like. When he's standing next to um, Shigeru Miyamoto or uh, what's the guy's name? The guy that uh, basically helped. He, he, he died. He died as CEO of Nintendo. Oh, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Why am I drawing a blank? Uh, yeah, I'm drawing a blank too, actually, right now. Um, I can look it up while you're talking, actually. But go on. Yeah, but those those men, those men are, are they have short statures. And... Um, you know, you put Reggie next to them, and Reggie looks like a goddamn giant. Uh, Iwata, by the way, you're thinking of. Iwata, thank you. Fuck me, that was killing me. <laughs> um, but whenever, whenever Reggie would do anything in conference form or in these directs, whenever he was on stage, he he took a 
specific commanding presence. It wasn't a, hey, guys, look at me. I'm a wacky CEO. It was never that. You always knew he was business, but he was like, we're still, I'm still Nintendo, and Nintendo's fun. So let's have some fun while we be fun. Like, it, I, I don't know, man. Like, he's he's been awesome. I've never had a situation where I was upset about Reggie. I was I was like, oh, he's just a, he's just a suit. And, just, he doesn't care about us gamers. He's just a suit. I never felt that way about him. Absolutely. And, yeah, like, he definitely – I'm not sure if he was the first or one of the, like, first few, very few uh, people to kind of be that – that suit that everybody loves but like he definitely was out there like talking talking to people he was you know as we see like these videos of the memes he got into like he he definitely like kind of realizes his audience and kind of realize you know what they're into and okay so 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 i want to read this real quick okay because it's pretty cool so reggie's presence in nintendo was highlighted during nintendo's press conference in the 2004 e3 the year prior, Nintendo's press conference was considered a dry, a quiet and dry affair uh, compared to the conferences given by Microsoft and Sony. While Nintendo Worldwide President Satoru Iwata and other Japanese executives were present, the only American on stage was George Harrison um, and had remained stoic during the conference. Nintendo was also losing the sixth console generation. The Nintendo GameCube was struggling against the PS2 and the Xbox original. The, uh, and long-time Nintendo fans were despondent over Nintendo's current state. Reggie, hired uh, after the 2003 conference, served to lead off the 2004 conference as his first uh, as, as his first introduction to the public. He led off the conference with, My name is Reggie. I'm about kicking ass and taking names, and we're about making games. His presentation was considered aggressive and at one point directly attacked the approaches that Microsoft and Sony were taking with uh, handling the video game content on their consoles. His theatrical antics, flying in the face of Nintendo's long-standing conservative image, gained a cult following soon after, with many gamers referring to him as the Reginator. Wow. Yeah. So he, he basically... Yeah, so yeah, he basically changed how America kind of viewed Nintendo during the Wii and the Wii U's, like rough rough rocky start there um because if you remember anthony one of the big things about the wii it it only gained popularity after release ps4 like okay i think i've talked about on this podcast before but i was working at walmart in the electronics section when the wii and the ps4 were released a year prior the xbox 360 was released so i, I wasn't there for that but when we released those consoles. The night we released the PS4, there were a bunch of stolen ones around the, around the town, across the country. There was trucks stolen, apparently, that had a bunch. So, male associates were tasked two at a time to walk with customers back to their car with their PS4 in hand. Um, the, the bags we gave them were black. So that way, anyone outside couldn't detect it whether they had a PS4 or not. A week later, we released the Wii. Almost said Wii. We released the Wii. Do you know how many people were selling the Wii's to customers? I me. Would. Yeah. That's it. Oh, wow. That's it sad. was just me. I had a card of them. I had about 35 of them. Sold all 35, but it was just me. Mm. Now, I bring this up to a point because it wasn't until like three weeks later 
did we start getting that that huge snowball effect of people wanting the Wii and it never being in stock? And I put a lot of that behind Reggie's work in, in presenting the Wii as something that anyone can play to the American audience. Yeah. If it weren't for Reggie, I don't know that Nintendo would have survived the 7th and 8th console generation. That is very true. I think that Nintendo... Or at least here in America would. Right, right. Um, Reggie definitely became that connecting point between Nintendo Japan and the US and like explaining like how how we consume content and how we accept things for what they are and Nintendo pre- and Reggie presented it in such a way that made it easy for a lot of us to understand like oh so this is this and this and this um and he he'd been and he's been doing it for a very long time 13 years so yeah as I said before this is the way you go you go out in terms of your somebody of Reggie's stature uh, both physically and in the in the in the game industry, the yep. the one thing I would like to point out before we move on to the next topic is the way he went out. He there was no controversies, there was no him leaving to another company, there was no him scandal wise like everything bullet point in terms of hey, this is the probably the best way to go out if you are going to go out. So, yeah, Reggie, Reggie, uh, you know. Have a good retirement, man. I hope to see you at conferences, like, or an E3, like, something in general. Like, you know, I don't want him to be a stranger to... Oh, no, he'll be around. Like, he'll be around. There's no no worries on that. <laughs> like, he'll... We'll see him again. This, this is a goodbye, but it isn't, like, forever. So, all right. Moving on to the next topic at hand. And this... Speaking of Nintendo, uh, this is regarding a game that... It, we thought once dead, or possibly is dead, but uh, I'll explain here in a second. Uh, this is reported off of DailyStar.com, written by uh, Dom Peblet. Uh, title: Scale on Switch. Good news and bad news, uh, and bad for Nintendo Switch users and Platinum Games uh, rumors. There have been some very curious rumors circulating this week about an old canceled Microsoft Xbox One game that could once again see the light of day, a bit on a different console. According to a very competent report from Nintendo Insider, controversy abandoned Xbox One title Skullbound will be coming to the Nintendo Switch. Quote, I have confidence in my sources to report that it is my understanding that Scalebound has been resurrected uh, as a project to be released on Nintendo Switch exclusive. Unquote. Uh, given Microsoft's previous involvement, it remains unclear to me what, uh, whether development has completely rebooted from scratch or, at the least, its ambition scaled back, seen as it's now destined for the nimble but less powerful portable home console. So, uh, what is this? Okay. Oh, and well, that's one last thing. Uh, to add to add more fuels to the fire, one of the industry's most trusted journalists chimed in, noting that he heard these rumors as far back as summer of 2018. Jason Schreier, journalist over at Kotaku, posted on the Reset Air forums, "Quote: I add this. Uh, I, 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 I'll add to this that Scalebound is coming to Switch. It was absolutely a rumor floating around last summer." Thoughts? Because <laughs> I, I got some thoughts of my own, but I'm kind of curious to what you think about this. I'm I, I'm extremely excited if it is a, a, a real thing. I was very 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 excited about Scalebound when it was coming to the Xbox, and I was like, 
it was kind of my one like oh look at that like xbox is an exclusive fuck you playstation because i didn't have anything but an xbox right right so i was very excited about that and the game looked cool i remember gameplay footage too at one e3 and i was very like they was like four players fighting one giant boss and it just looked fucking awesome and and then suddenly it was canceled it was just straight done and i was like oh are you fucking kidding me like I was very happy about, like, I was very excited about it. And I was very sad that it got canceled. So the fact that it could be coming to the Nintendo Switch is very exciting. Now, that being said, as the article states, um, the Switch does not have the processing power that the Xbox has. Straight up. Just hands down. But, but, look at the difference between Monster Hunter World and, a, and the Monster Hunter game that's currently on the Switch. That is very true. It's very you, true. Could scale down. <laughs> uh, you, you could you could scale it back a little bit to make it a little bit more uh, able to be played on the Switch. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you look at something like Borderlands, um, and I point this out to people a lot, like, do you remember the very very original trailer for Borderlands? I don't. I I, I remember playing it. Was a hyper realistic. Wow. Oh yeah. I'll have to see if I can't find a link and send it to you, but it was very, it was very realistic. And, and then like a year later we get another trailer and like, it was super serious and dark and hyper realistic. And then we get a second trailer and it's cell shaded and very colorful and goofy and, but looked like a lot of fun. So they changed how it was like drastically. I could see the same thing for scale bound. Yeah. I could I could see the same way too. I didn't go in many different directions. I think the first thing that came to mind when this when this rumor was roaming about um, is that I wonder what Microsoft thinks. Like if this is indeed true, if uh, Nintendo is reviving this game onto the Switch as an exclusive, I kind of wonder. Because my first gut instinct is like, wait, did is Microsoft like okay with this? Like, is this a kind of a gut punch to them that they didn't do it? Like as far as they had that narrative goes um but you know the more i thought about it it's like well microsoft and nintendo are, are working more closely together than ever before um so, so they already have that friendship as it is so why 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 isn't it too far-fetched for for this to come about that they're going to revive a game that microsoft couldn't do but nintendo can or you know it could be a different form like who knows but that it's 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 very interesting is to hear that and like seeing how what the atmosphere is right now in the game industry it's not too far-fetched to think that at all um and again another at fields of the fire this is also platinum games who in the past was saved from nintendo for the bayonetta series bayonetta 2 had never existed if it weren't for nintendo uh and that's why it became well, exclusive and, and on the yeah. Wii U. yeah i was saying platinum yeah yeah platinum, yeah i know i knew why you brought up that whole thing because of Platinum Games. Mm-hmm. Um, this could be... If they do a direct to kind of like, this is what Microsoft and Nintendo have that they're going to on, this could be the thing that they announce it with. You know, oh my god, I'm, I'm just like thinking just like... Like imagine imagine man, if a month's time from now, like at the beginning of April, like April 2nd or some yeah, shit, because they don't yeah. want to do April 1st. Yeah, They're like, hey, we got a Switch... Uh, uh, or not Switch, but a uh, Nintendo Direct coming up. You're not going to want to miss this one, yada, yada, yada. And it starts off, and you see the Xbox logo. And then uh, you see uh, uh, the current CEO, which I can't think of his name, and um, 
the CEO of Xbox. Oh, Phil Spencer. Yeah, Phil Spencer, and who is the CEO for Nintendo right now? Um, well, isn't well, no, I'm thinking of CEO, just Doug Bowser, but that's that's uh, now I'm thinking. Well, of yeah, I mean, at that time you could see, you know, that actually would be better. Um, I mean, I'm not really because you want the main CEO. Uh, I yeah, I don't recall what the main CEO of Nintendo is at the moment. I could look at him up actually right now. But yeah, you <laughs> you see him, you see him and, and and Phil Spencer walk up on stage, or not on stage, but on camera. Or you see you see the the CEO of Nintendo walk out and then and then he's like I want to introduce you to a friend of mine and you see him walk on and they're like uh, so we're gonna have a lot of content from Microsoft exclusively on the Switch and a lot of you know a lot of uh, cross play and yada 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 oh and something back from the dead and then boom scale bound absolutely um, by the way the, like, the CEO of Nintendo is Shintaro uh, Fukuara I'll remember that eventually <laughs> um, but. Uh, it would just be fucking awesome if they did something like that. And and I totally see it happening. Like, the way that Microsoft and Sony are playing now, like, they don't... They both realize that the, the competing against each other isn't working. They're actually helping each other out. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They, 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 <laughs> this, this console race bullshit, nobody gives a shit about. And also, you want to combat PC? You team up. Yep. Yeah, it's the the game has changed. Not to put a pun there, but the game has quite literally changed uh, right now than versus what it was years ago. Um, and, we, and we see this already right now, and it, it's it'd be interesting to see what happens in the next five years when it comes to what the game industry looks like in terms of like how companies interact with each other, especially from the the three the big three. Um, but. It's well. Sony just needs to play ball. Sony does absolutely. I think at the end of the, at the end of the day, like Sony needs to be out of its own ego, and they definitely need to just look at the bigger picture here, because the game industry is changing. The way that we see games, the way that games are being are made, are are changing, and that Nintendo and Microsoft figured this out already. They're helping each other out. They stand to benefit from each other in terms of like putting the Xbox Live. Potentially on or on the, on the Switch as an app, and potentially have it to be you can play games on the Switch, Xbox games, and having uh, you know the benefit of Nintendo's like, hey, you can play an Xbox game on the Switch on the go. Well, Microsoft can't say that. So like, well, it, I think, well, I think, and and I don't think that we're getting like specific games on the Switch. I think we're getting like. I don't think we're getting gears on the switch. I don't think we're getting master chief on the switch. I don't think that's happening. I, I, but what, I, go ahead. Sorry. But, sorry. I, but I do, I do think, I do think that a lot of older Microsoft exclusives crackdown is coming to the switch. Um, I could see older titles coming to the switch. I just don't see big ones like gears and, and, and halo ever coming to the switch. I just don't see that happening. But I also don't see like Mario and and Metroid and Smash coming okay. to the Xbox either. Okay. Like you see what I'm saying? They're like yeah. they're still gonna okay. have their exclusives. Okay. But if there's a game that comes out that both of the systems can play, then all of a sudden crossplay immediately. I I still think which you're, uh, it makes total sense on your end. But I also think because of recent weeks of 
um, the, the, the potential talk about, um, oh, thanks for the raid. Uh, <laughs> oh, shit, we got a raid! <laughs> well, I'll, I'll end this on this before we go into the next topic. Um, thank you for the raid, uh, Twitch uh, Los Angeles. Um, so, I'll end it on this. Is with the re- with the recent talking and rumors regarding what Microsoft plans to do with Nintendo, um, with the Xbox Live coming to the Switch, is it just an app or more than that? And there's conversations in an article saying that they're going to be not only your friends list um, and your uh, awards, but you're also going to bring over games as well. I think the potential or the idea that we may see a Gears of War on a Nintendo Switch is not that far-fetched. As crazy as it sounds, I think that that might happen, which may lead into Nintendo returning the favor and bringing Mario and its in, uh, and its other uh, iteration or what have you to potentially uh, the Microsoft console. It's a crazy far-fetched idea, but it's not that crazy. So I just I just see both companies like they're gonna play ball to an extent, and they're gonna be like, we're keeping our IPs, but we're gonna make IPs that work on both. Absolutely. It, it, I, that's that's what I see more happening than what you're saying. The likelihood of seeing Mario on an Xbox and Master Chief on a Switch, I just think it's too too far-fetched. Yeah. Um, um, but before we move on, guys, thank you for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you for rating us. Thank you for joining us. Usually we're um, well, usually we're live every Wednesday night, but because I'm going to be going out to, to a tournament tomorrow night, uh, we had to do it today. But thank you for guys who are here, and thank you for those who are new to the Twitch channel. We uh, we do a weekly gaming news uh, show here on this Twitch channel. We talk about gaming news in the past week, and we give our thoughts on each news story. And we upload these on our YouTube channel and on podcast services around the world every week. So uh, thank you, and uh, enjoy your stay. So, moving on to our next topic at hand. As I tweet this out. Boom, boom. Oop, already did. Okay. Okay, this one, we're talking about game-changing things in, in the game industry. We're talking about what's been happening, what the changes are. But this one, and it's funny because I go back and think about how we th- all thought about Microsoft when they first entered the game industry and how we thought of, like, this Microsoft, there's no way they can make a game console or make a good, you know, good games to get in there. They make computers. They make Office Word. This is off of Kotaku.com, written by Jason Schreier. Sources, Google is planning a, a game platform that could take on Xbox and PlayStation. Over the past few months, the wildest rumors in the video game industry circus, uh, circus, circles haven't involved the PlayStation 5 or Xbox 2. The most interesting chatter has centered on a tech company that has been quietly making moves to tackle video games in a big, a big way. Google. The conglomerate that operates our email, our internet browsers, and much more. We haven't heard many specifics about Google's video game plus, uh, go, go, uh, video game plan, sorry. But what we have heard is that it is a three-prong approach. One, some sort of streaming platform. Two, some sort of hardware. Three, an attempt to bring game developers under the Google umbrella, whether through aggressive recruiting or even major acquisitions. That's the word from five people who have either been briefed on Google's plans or heard about them secondhand. Google has been exploring video game initiatives for most most of the decade. In 2014, the company was reportedly poised to acquire Twitch before Amazon swooped in. Rumors, uh, perlo- rumors uh, for years that Google was also attempting to launch an Android-based console similar to Amazon's Fire TV, but that did not happen in 2016. 
the Google, uh, the Google Studio, uh, Niantic, scored one of the biggest gaming successes for the last decade with Pokemon Go. But it had spun out into an independent company the year before, and Google has a long history of hiring game developers for projects that never quite materialize. Um, it's insane. We are now talking the fact that Google may be entering the fray with the game industry. And it, if you've been kind of reading the tea leaves recently, it makes sense because they have been experimenting with streaming um, with streaming tech when it comes to, uh, to some games. Uh, not too long ago, they had a, a test of uh, playing uh, the new Assassin's Creed Odyssey on a uh, Google Chrome browser, but you had to have a certain amount of bandwidth to do so. So they've been they've been dipping their toes in, and there's now sources saying that they have something for uh, for this year. I mean, I know that like Google Google's a juggernaut, and I think that they know the uphill battle they're going to have to face to do this. They're going to have to bring something unbelievably impressive to win over a, a, a large enough audience to warrant this move. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's just, it's crazy to me that they would join now um, with, with what's happening in the gaming industry. Um, I think, unfortunately, some of them see it as a, like, oh, things are weak in the gaming world right now. So we'll 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 try to chime in now and, and get our uh, um get our licks in while you know people are like while these these companies are trying to stand back up. And it's not that's not the case. Like I, I, I hope that's not the case. Like I I would be interested. Thank you, Valer. I would also be interested in um in seeing exactly how they handle it. Because like you said, like the article says, like they're trying to acquire either new IPs or old IPs to bring to the console. You can't just all of a sudden release a console and be like, hey guys, we have, remember the game Gax? Not Gax, but Gax back in the day? <laughs> hey, remember Gax? Hey, I like that. I, would, I, would I, love that game. I adored that game. I played all of them. <laughs> but my point is, is like, they can't just get a bunch of IPs from like the Sega Saturn or from the Jaguar and then do new versions of them and say, hey guys, buy our console because of this. It ain't going to work that way. Like you really got to bring something hard Absolutely. to get people to buy your console Absolutely. And in today's day and age. So. Absolutely. You definitely need something more than just acquisition. Croc, yeah. yeah. Thanks, some um, Croc, yeah. Oh, hell, hell yeah. If there's a Croc on a, a new version of that, I'll be all over that. Um, with that, with that. With that aside, you're right. Like there's definitely something that Google has to do. Like they need to do something in, in order to um, really entice people to to really be on board with their console, uh, their, their streaming console, and that's going to be something that I think that a lot of people can have questions about. But then I go back and I'll say this prior to me kind of talking about this, is that we had our doubts with companies like this before, Microsoft. Again, nobody thought Microsoft was going to be able to have a console and the gaming infrastructure like they do today. Back then, before they entered the fray, people were doubting them just as much as we are doubting Google. Um, same with Sony. Sony was, you know, before right. they entered, they, people doubted them because what do they know? The TVs, you know, other stuff. But, but you have to keep in perspective, at the time, it was different. You know, Nintendo Nintendo was just like, well, we just had the crash. So, like, they had an uphill battle, but they also took a very smart move, un unfortunately, for certain aspects. But putting their, their um, uh, console in the toy section versus the entertainment section. 
uh, that was a very smart move. Um, but also, like, you look at Microsoft, and Microsoft just, like, dove right in. And had it not been for Halo, Microsoft, the, the Xbox would have died. Like, full on. Yeah. You look at yeah. sales, you yeah. look at why Xbox is sold, and it's because of Halo 1 and 2. Absolutely. Hands, hands fucking down. I mean, you look at, like, a game like the, like the Dreamcast, or a system like the Dreamcast. And I know that Sega had already been in the game for a while, but they were they had an uphill battle because of the Saturn. And that system failed because they didn't have that killer IP. And, and, and as much as you, you stated on this podcast, as much as I have as well, it's like your, the game console can be only as good as its games. If the game console came out and there are no good games on it, then not people are going to buy it for, for a while. Yeah. There is. What's the point of buying a fucking $300 console if there's not a game that I want to play on it? Yes. This remi- or a game that I want to play it, I want to pay that much money enough to play yeah. This reminds me. Also, oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> also, I want to see. I want to see a future on that console. Like when I bought my Switch, I knew there was going to be stuff that I wanted to play down the road on my Switch, not just Mario Odyssey. Um, you know, when I buy the when I buy the PlayStation Four, am I just going to play God of War and Spider Man and whatever else they have coming out? That that's a that's a you know an original IP, and it just sits on my shelf the whole time, like. It's harder for me to justify spending that money on a PS4 than it does on an Xbox right now. Yeah. Because, like, if if, if that's just the way that it works, um, Google has to do something different. They have to do something that makes people want to spend that much money on their console. And the question, I, and the question becomes like, how much will that new console be for Google? If you're Google and you are and you're going to make a streaming console. Um, did you want to sell to people? Like, what price would that be? Like, would you would you range it two hundred, less than that maybe? I think I think what Google needs to do is what Valve tried to do, and that's basically create a console that allows you to buy games via Steam and use a mouse and keyboard on. It. Yeah, that right mm. there mm. would be enough to warrant me buying that system. I'm very curious. I'm not. I'm very curious what they do. Because like they uh, same here, same here. I'm yeah. Because like I'm kind of wondering what their what their plan of attack is. Like what do they what do they plan to do with a streaming console? And I think that we the, the talk of streaming of streaming when it comes to games in the game industry has picked up in the past year. So th- I feel like this is also a trend that it's also going to become more apparent as years goes goes on. But in terms of Google right now, the one thing I can think of for Google. And Google, if you're listening, you can take this. It's on me. Um, <laughs> so, what I would would really get me into a Google gaming device is that if Google announced the next console, it's a streaming console, that you plug it anywhere, anytime, into a monitor, to a TV, as long as you have internet access, you have access to these games at all times. And the games that they, ha- that they have... Um, say that they're all third-party, you know, high-exclusive games that they can play on that uh, platform that makes it easier for them to plug and play and then, boom, you get to play Tomb Raider. You get to play uh, fucking <laughs> on, say, Anthem, I think. Is that Anthem third-party, right? Yeah, it's EA, yeah. so third-party. Yeah. So it's... 
it's got to be something like that. It's got to be portable. It's got to be small, but it's also got to be at, at a price. I don't think it needs work. to be. I don't think it needs to be portable. I don't think that you want to compete against Nintendo in that in that market. I think you want to you want to compete. And they said it in the thing, like competing directly with Xbox and Microsoft. Sorry, Xbox and Sony or Microsoft, Sony, whatever. And I so I think I honestly don't see them doing a portable console at all. I see them trying to do the most powerful console on the market that plays PC games. Oh man, I'm, God, that'd be, that'd be crazy <laughs> and, and both exciting at the same time. Uh, Little Zump in chat says Google does own Green Thro- uh, Throttle Games and Owl Alchemy Labs, though. It doesn't need to be portable. Androids are rated portable, so. They do have comp- game companies hired, so they could potentially have a library of games already set up, or potentially in the future. So, again, wait and see. Also, also, some points out uh, that uh, it's already portable. Like Android is portable, so they don't need to go portable. I just think they need to compete with the home console market and make us make a, a a basically a PC for console players. That's what they need to do. Gotcha. Okay. That would make me buy their system. Gotcha. Uh, we will we'll wait and see. I'm very excited. The game industry has definitely making some huge changes. I'm so excited about it right now. It's, it's fun times right now. Fun times. All right, moving on to our next topic at hand. Uh, this, in speaking of consoles, this was brought to me uh, like I want to say Thursday, Friday. My brother was told me about this uh, information in the morning. I had to look it up, but GamesRadar.com reported. This is written by uh, Austin Wood. Uh, and this is also a rumor, uh, but Microsoft will announce two new Xboxes at this year's E3. According to a new report from French tech site uh, Jukes Video, Microsoft is planning to announce two new Xbox consoles at E3 2019, one or both of which may be connected to next-gen Xbox Project Scarlet family of hardware. The consoles in question are reportedly codenamed Xbox Lawheart and Xbox Anaconda, names we've heard before. Lockhart is to be weaker and cheaper console with no disk drive, but Anaconda will be positioned as a, as a more powerful premium system. We know for a fact that Microsoft is working on multiple new consoles, but all this remains unconfirmed. In November 2018, Turret reported that Microsoft is preparing a disk Xbox One for 2019. The system will reportedly go for around $200, which will put Xbox Lockhart in the same vein as the Xbox 360 Arcade, that is cheaper but more limited alternative to mainline consoles. This also fits with the rumor specs in the June X videos report. Meanwhile, in December 20, uh, 2018, Windows Central reported the Xbox Anaconda is, in fact, a newer version of the Xbox One X. To put it simply, it is said to be One X, oh god, Xbox One XS, a revised slimmed down version of the X. Lord knows what they call it <coughs> at, at this point. That the Xbox family is more complicated than the freak uh, than the uh, freaking uh, Lannisters. Windows Central. Yeah, no kidding. No <laughs> Windows Central report also mentioned that the addition of SSD storage intend to cut down on loading times. And again, that this fits with the specs of the Jinx Bricks video, which says both systems will be uh, boost NVMe SSDs. Basically, just means uh, faster hard drives. Um, so. Microsoft. So, with this rumor, with this also being uh, brought up recently, um, I'm not surprised because, like, we've we've heard Phil Spencer talk about uh, straight the streaming future and like, you know, but what is the future for Xbox for Microsoft when it comes to what is like new consoles or how that is usually looked at, but now it's being changed in the future. Um, this fits with. I, that. I, 
I sincerely hope that, like, in, in likely, in all likelihood, Anthony, it's probably going to be a discless Xbox One S and a discless Xbox One X. Um, <laughs> that way you have that way you have the 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 range of like 200, 250, um, and then three hundred up to three hundred fifty up to five hundred. How much is the Xbox? Uh, right now, the Xbox, which one? Because I don't think you can get an original Xbox. So I was trying to think of like the range and how that would work, but right. Um, I just think they're trying to make more options for people who on on how they want to play their games. It reminds me, and in, in, in the in the article it, it points out, it reminds me a lot of how remember the Xbox 360 and how that launched. You had the main core, but you also had like an arcade version of it, where it had a, a, a memory card with it. Um, so like you would still be able to play games to a certain point, but like it's very limited in terms of like what you had, and eventually you had to get a hard drive to upgrade to that point. So it reminds me in that in that vein, um, and Microsoft, I feel Phil Spencer and the Microsoft crew out there, I feel are not inclined to make an entirely like sequel console to Xbox One, I feel like they want to keep to what it is now, Xbox One, Xbox One X, and just iterate on the same console. Kind of how that conversation was a while ago, where it was like he wanted to have kind of like a cell phone type of model of what a console would be. So, I think Microsoft is going to stay in this lane in regards to that, and this is just another addition of, hey, you can now play various games with an internet connection without a disc because at this point majority of games now are all digital for the most part yeah i was i I don't think if it's discless i don't think it's going to be a new xbox i don't think it's gonna be the fourth generation of xbox um because that like they don't they aren't going to pull uh like the original Xbox One release, where it was like it's internet only, and you can only you can only have one copy of the game. You can't share discs and all that kind of crap. They they want to avoid that like the fucking plague. So if they're doing discless consoles, they either need to do, um, it either need to release it and be like, here's the new Xbox Two for what I don't know to call it, um, Xbox uh, uh, Five. Fucking I don't care. I guess technically it'd be Xbox Four, but <laughs> yeah. Um, but they released the brand spanking new console, new everything. <laughs> the 720. Yeah. Xbox, <laughs> Xbox 1080 snowboarding. Um. Uh, but uh, <laughs> sorry for that. Blair's being funny in the chat. He's being all comical. Um, but yeah, I think uh. If, if it is a brand new console, they're going to have to do two versions of it. One is regular, one is discless. Yep. And the discless costs less mm-hmm. because it, you know, costs money to get the, the disc reader in there and all that jazz. Mm-hmm. Um, or if they are discless, they're just going to be new versions of the Xbox One in some fashion or form. Um, but yeah, I, 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 if, because they have to tread, they have to tread water very fucking carefully, because their public image isn't the best right now. I, um, it's it's getting way the fuck better. Like this last E3 skyrocketed them into a better uh, vision. I would uh, I would argue that Microsoft is. I feel like they've kind of erased what was bad about Microsoft back then, and they are 
very uh, fondly looked upon now. I would argue that if it weren't for the fact that there's still people who refuse to get an Xbox because of that one E3. Mm. Because of the original launch of the Xbox One. Mm. There's still people that follow that, say, Xbox, I did this. I'm just like, that's not the way that it is anymore. It hasn't been for a long time. Mm. Okay. So, like, there are still people that follow that. So that's why I say Right, right, right. Okay. But I think that we have to here, here's the thing i'm kind of curious about like what is the price what's the price for these consoles going to be but like at some point i kind of wonder if microsoft is going to and i said that i think that they'll stay in their lane with this idea of having multiple consoles um i kind of wonder i kind of wonder in terms of like the other thing that also was mentioned in the news is with this xbox uh game pass and having the potential there to be because you heard about you know how it potentially could be on the Nintendo Switch with the app and the talks about that. Like the thing, the thing about that, yeah. the thing I'm, I'm curious is like, I wonder realistically. Oh, hold on. Yeah. Hold on. Yeah. You know what we didn't put in consideration at all? Hmm. I don't know why none of us fucking thought of this. Nintendo doesn't do conferences at E3. They have a direct, correct? Yes. What if the Nintendo? What if the Xbox Direct is Nintendo and Xbox coming out and saying, "We have a console that's everything together." Oh shit! <laughs> like, no, I, no, wait. What? What if? Just what if it's a combined <laughs> Nintendo Xbox console? That if if in in the. It, that would almost be the one console future. That would be almost. That would be damn close. Holy I mean, shit. we've talked about the potential of that happening and how we're inching closer and closer to that. Yeah. And we see all this stuff with Xbox and the Switch and whatnot. What if that's it? What if that's it? What if they're coming out with a console that's Xbox and Nintendo that would, together? That would just be mind-blowing. That would just send huge waves in the game industry and could potentially change the entire game industry as it is it would be insane but you know what that's not too far-fetched nintendo microsoft have been buddy buddy recently they've been it's helping a lot each other more it's, it's a lot more realistic than some of the other shit we've said tonight so yeah so i mm, I, I i do wonder if I, it's gonna come down to the suits man it's gonna come down to these microsoft and nintendo higher higher ups are they willing to put their egos aside to work with one another to even potentially have a console that they can put both their games on? Sorry, I'm laughing at Valerian's fucking... <laughs> he, he made a joke. He says, but what if Nintendo... What would Nintendo and Microsoft's boy toy Sega think? And so he's like, BRB, totally not looking for a personified Sega. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's out there, Valerian. You don't have to look that hard. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Um, the internet. What do we... Yeah. Yeah. Um, it is that is a it is a not too far fetched idea that that may end up happening, but I I don't think it will. But at the same time, if it does happen in some, it's somehow, wishful thinking yeah, on my part for sure. Yeah, like, it's very wishful thinking. But I, at the same time, it's not that not that far off from the current climate right now in the it's, game. It's industry. more likely they're just coming out with more versions of the Xbox One X. Like that's probably what they're doing. That's more than likely. Yeah, it's just like more options for people to use and. Again, the streaming future has been coming more and more apparent uh, with the talks of a lot of game developers and people of that ilk having a, a future where you could just 
stream your game to your console or PC, what have you. And that actually, the streaming thing might be the 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 thing keeping Nintendo and Microsoft apart too. It's very true. It's very true. That could oh. be exciting times. Possibilities we oh, just threw out. God, exciting times. We threw we threw every piece of shit we could at the fans, so the whole room was covered. So when it, <laughs> when it comes around to being correct, we're gonna be Nostradamus. Clip this. Send send this uh, out to the internet so that when E3 happens, we can. I'm just saying, I'll, I I fucking called Tetris 99. I'm just saying I did. I did. I called it. <laughs> For those who don't know, uh, Greg did call that out before the uh, the, the directed happened. So literally, uh, I literally uh, in in the half empty tank Discord, uh, I made a joke saying because uh, everyone was talking about what they wanted at the at the direct that released Tetris 99. And I said, you know, it'd be really cool to see on the Switch a Tetris game, dot, dot, dot. And then all caps, 100-man Battle Royale Tetris. And everyone was kind of like, you joke, but that'd be awesome. I was like, no, I'd play the fuck out of it. I just thought it'd be funny to say. Here we are. Yep. Lo and behold. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, as I get this set up for Greg here, it is time. Oh, before I ask Greg, what's uh, your topic on, by the way? Uh, So, I was looking. I have a couple written down. Um, so Anthony, I want, what what do you want to hear? So, actually, I'll leave it up for the chat too. I got uh, what originally, or so it's why you're wrong, and then the rest of it. So I don't have to keep repeating. So why you're wrong about what originality actually is, the difference between stage demo and game release, the purpose of critics, hating sponsored streams, and modern day journalism. I would my vote would be the purpose of critics, just because of the conversation we had earlier. Okay, I can do purpose of critics for sure. Okay, cool. Uh, see what uh, the, the active chatters are saying. Yes. But um, yeah, every time I get slightly annoyed by something, I, I write it in here. So that way, uh, nobody's talking in chat, and that's taking time from the stream. Yep. So let's just this is roll with it. So yeah, purpose, purpose of critics, we got it. <laughs> All right, so here we go, guys. Uh, here is why you're wrong. Good, great deeds. Okay, so over the course of a, a, a quite quite a few years, I've noticed a specific trend in how people respond to critics, um, and it's not in a situation of like, oh, well, this critic said they didn't like it, but let's see what they did and didn't like about it, or let's see what other movies or video games that they liked and uh, see if it matches up with mine. So that way I can trust them to see if it, you know, if our tastes are similar, nobody does that anymore. What now we do is we do the, the, um, the compiled review system. We go to Metacritic, we go to Rotten Tomatoes and we just go, okay, that had like a 60 out of a hundred. Fuck it. Not watching that, not playing that, not listening to that. That is an incredibly dumb way to look at how critics write their things. First off, if a game comes out or a movie comes out and it has a low rating, for example, Alita Battle Angel seems to be getting pretty good fucking responses, right? But it has low critic rating. Now, everyone kind of goes, well, yeah, no shit, nine times out of ten. That's how... No, not nine times out of ten. Um, the problem with trusting critics, the way that we do these days is that if a movie or a game or an album comes out and they compile all the reviews together, that is 25 people 
30 people tops. Do you see a problem with that? As I do. You're literally taking the word of a classroom full of people, a classroom's worth full of people, for, a, for one piece of art. That is, that is equivalent to interviewing uh, a few people outside of a fucking grocery store and saying, do you like mayonnaise on your sandwich? And only, and only hitting up 30 of them as they walk out. And those 30 people say they don't like mayo on their sandwich. And then you go into the public and going, well, nobody likes mayo on their sandwich because these 30 people didn't. It's really stupid. Now, the other problem with these websites, I should mention before I continue about the purpose of critics, um, don't ever, ever, ever trust user reviews. You're going to get trolls. You're going to get people who didn't see the movie. Um, you might get, you know, sure. I'm sure there's people in there who are being legitimate and I, and I appreciate that, but nine times out of 10, you're not getting people who actually saw the thing. Rotten Tomatoes just had to change their entire setup because people were going to start trolling the user reviews for certain movies, including Captain Marvel. So, um, Sorry, it's hard for me to read the chat and keep a train of thought going. So, um, so my my argument here, my my point in telling people this is the purpose of critics is to get an idea if you if you're going to enjoy it or not. And your job as the person who's looking at these reviews is to find the reviewer that fits your taste. That's the point of the critics. And also, I'd like to point out. The term criticism does not mean bashing the thing. It does not mean going out of your way to find negative things because you happen to not like a director's past work or it's being published by a big company. You can't go on to Rotten Tomato, or sorry, you can't go on a Metacritic and go, well, this one reviewer didn't like the new Call of Duty game because it's made by Activision, so I'm going to use that as my linchpin to say it sucks. No, that's really fucking stupid. Really fucking stupid. You need to do your homework if you're going to trust critics, hands down. Now, I know that me yelling this right now to the few people who listen to us, and we appreciate you listening, and to the people in chat, it's like if I change your guys' minds, great, but you guys are a small group. You guys aren't the whole internet. I wish I had a bigger voice. I wish I could get my word out there to these people. But it's not going to matter. People are going to go on to Facebook. Or I'm sorry. They're going to go onto YouTube. And they're going to go, what did Jim uh, Sterling say about this new game that came out? Oh, he hates it? I guess everybody hates it. I guess it's a shit game. It's just, it's just a dumb way to look at things. Just a really fucking stupid way to look at things. You know, when I really, really, really enjoy a film... I'll go to Metacritic and find critics that have a negative review of it. When, no joke, no fucking joke when I say this, when Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse came out, which is arguably the best Spider-Man movie, which is arguably the most uh, revered movie of 2018. When that came out, everybody gave it high praise, except for one guy. Uh, uh, Roger... Not Roger. The fuck's his name? Roper. 
the guy who took over for uh, Siskel when he passed away. Before Eber passed away too. That guy. He <laughs> he gave Spider-Man a 50 out of 100. When I read his review, I thought it was silly. Because the way that he viewed the movie was not how I viewed the movie. Not by a long shot. But I intentionally read his negative review to get a better idea and, and to understand my point of view on the film better. I think the only way to really grasp your opinion on something is by listening to the opposing opinion. And that's the purpose of critics right there. It is to further your appreciation or your distaste for something or to maybe argue it in your own mind. Maybe if you don't know whether you're going to like it or not, you find a critic that you see eye to eye with. Dan Stapleton of IGN is one that I love reading his reviews. Him and I see eye to eye almost all the time. Now, that's another thing. If there is a big website, IGN, Kotaku, Polygon, GameStop, GameSpot, um, if they do a review of a game, that is one person, one person's opinion, not the whole fucking website, not the entire company. I get that someone might say, well, they're representing the whole company. Okay. Yeah, I was I was representing the store I was working at when I was there. That doesn't mean I'm the whole fucking store. Now am I? Because guess what? If I'm representing the store and someone gets mad at me, guess who gets fired and guess who gets to stay in business? So maybe not the best analogy, but the point is stands, the point stands, it's one person's opinion. And you can't take that as de facto. You can't do it. Now, of course, a lot of this has been brought up because of recent things with Anthem, where I get very frustrated with how things are being perceived. There's a lot of reviews out there of Anthem that give it an average score because they found it to be an average game, which is fine. I kind of agree that it is average. I'm having fun with it, but it's average. It's not bad. It's not great, but it's fun. But people see a 60 out of 100, and what do they say? They, they see a number, and they get angry. Or not angry, but they just kind of go, if our game sucks, then I guess. It's this attitude of, if it's any less than a 9, it's not worth it. When in reality, a 10 or a perfect score does not mean the game is perfect either. So I keep getting a little off topic here, but the, per the, the purpose of critics, the purpose of critics is to give you an idea whether you are going to enjoy something or not. It is not a de facto, you're going to hate it. You're going to love it. It's just full on an idea. So when you go to the extent of demonizing or overly praising something, because the critics as a, as a, as a whole gave it a higher or low score, and you're not going on anything other than that, that's why you're wrong. All right, guys, and that is why you are wrong with Greg Geeks. Uh, Greg Deets. <laughs> I mean, Greg Geeks works, I guess. <laughs> um, so that's going to do it for the show today, guys. Uh, again, thank you for the raid earlier, guys. Uh, that was from – let me scroll back up, actually. 
Twitch LA raid. Thank you for the for the raid, guys. So, sh shout out to you guys. Um, before we go, as usual, uh, Greg, where can they find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and yell at me about my segment <laughs> why you're wrong. Uh, I'll be more than happy to discuss with you if you disagree with me. Um, I uh, I do love having conversations on there. Just understand that don't pull an Anthony and write like. 10 tweets in a row. Hey, and then Twitter can only do so much. I, I need I need to get Twit longer or something. Uh, <laughs> something, because hot damn, like I'll be responding to your first tweet and all of a sudden I'm like, why do I have three more notifications? <laughs> so I literally, I give you like a solid, like a hot minute before I respond. Like I got to make sure you're done. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, yeah. I, you follow me on Twitter at ChubRuckGeek. You can follow me on my Twitch channel at ChubRuckGeek, on YouTube at ChubRuckGeek. Basically, if you want to find me, that's how you find me. You search ChubRuckGeek. Um, I also do a podcast every Friday called All Cued Up with my buddy Josh Fisher. I thought he was going to be in chat tonight, but he is not. Um, yeah, screw him. <laughs> I don't know if you got that stint. But uh, uh, we, were doing, we were doing the show every other week where we would review two uh, internet shows, Netflix, Hulu Plus, I don't know, whatever. Um, but we wanted to add a weekly show uh, called Uninhibited, where we basically just kind of shoot the shit. Um, it's really fun because, and and laid back and kind of, uh, it relieves some stress, I guess, on both our lives. Because we'll just talk about our lives or talk about things we've enjoyed outside of Netflix. Like, it's more of just a discussion-based two guys talking. And um, I really enjoy it. We're actually going to record one tomorrow. Um, I guess when you're listening to this podcast, it'll already be up. But um, if you want to find that, that's allcuteuppodcast.com. There's a, uh, a tab link on the side where you can find every single link to any website that you want to listen to the podcast on. Um, we also should have an archive of all the episodes that are available. Uh, last week we did reviews on, which you can find up right now, we re did reviews on The Umbrella Academy and The Marvelous Miss Maisel Season 1 and 2. Both shows... Highly fucking recommend. Um, it's rare that we get two shows that we fucking absolutely adored, but that was that was one of them. Uh, yeah. Um, other than that, I think that's it for me on the internets. Awesome. And let's just add to that point, I need to watch Umbrella because I saw that trailer and there's a there's a fucking monkey teacher which I'm like totally into. It's like all right, I need to watch this. Um, so uh, what's gonna say? Uh, oh. You can find our content at missionstarpodcast.com. You can follow the podcast on the website as well as on the podcast services around the globe, including Stitcher, Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, what have you. We're out there. Just look at Mission Star Podcast and you will find us in any kind of podcast form and uh, subscribe to us. Uh, we do this every week um, and uh, they're usually up at this point, like Monday. So like I, I try to do do on Fridays, but like I'm I seem to not have, having trouble doing that consistently. So Monday seems to be the day I'm I can get it down pretty well. So expect a new podcast every Monday or every week at, at some point. And uh, in case you miss it, and if you are don't have an audio uh, podcast you want to subscribe to, you can uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is links down below, which you can watch every segment. Of our uh, of our Twitch uh, segments we did tonight on our YouTube channel, um, and you can watch as they are released every day, uh, leading up into our next podcast day. So, I'm also on Twitter at Defective Naruto. Did I say it already? I'm not sure if I did or not. Anyways, um, so with that being said, 
Uh, thank you all for coming by, guys. And uh, we will see you guys next time.